was at the Kamala Harris campaign announcement. Well, to be fair, I was outside of the Kamala Harris campaign announcement. The line to get into Frank Agawa Plaza outside of Oakland City Hall was really long. But once I got a sense of the crowd, I felt like I could see the rest on TV, which I did. And it was a massive crowd. According to the campaign, it happened in front of 20,000 people. At that point, the biggest crowd for a 2020 presidential announcement on the Democratic side. Yesterday, I walked down to Grand Avenue in Oakland and past the Kamala Harris headquarters here in her hometown. I'd only been walking this route for a few weeks, but whenever I walked by, it was empty. It's usually between 7 and 9 a.m., and granted, that's a little early for a regular business, but if you're in the business of getting somebody elected president, you might assume somebody was there. Maybe a light on, an open gate, something like that. But no, it's always empty. And it's going to stay that way, too. The bell has tolled for Kamala. It ends a campaign that couldn't make it out of 2019. One that took a round trip to the top of the polls, raised an impressive amount of money in the Bay Area and Hollywood, and then, well, nothing. Multiple articles from the New York Times and Politico specifically chronicled the crumbling of her campaign. It made crystal clear that Harris 2020 simply wasn't to be. It was disorganized. She initially focused on South Carolina, presumably to cultivate the black vote. That never really came around. She decided to put her headquarters in Baltimore, of all places. And that's before we get into the fact that her campaign chairwoman, also her sister, and her campaign manager both hated each other and cultivated warring factions against each other, both of whom went to the press to air dirty laundry. And then there were money problems. Campaign funding website OpenSecrets.org has her campaign as of last federal filing with $10 million on hand, but who knows how much of that is left. If there is anything, the law does allow for her to use it in her Senate re-election campaign. And that ultimately is part of this, because both of the Politico and New York Times articles spelled out that she wanted to get out of the race before the end of December, so her name would not appear on the California Super Tuesday ballot. The shame of having a sitting senator get blown out in her home state was likely too much to bear. Kamala Harris wins as the law and order liberal. She ran away this entire campaign from the cop tag, and that was a mistake. Her narrative is best when she explains the world through justice and laws, specifically when she's highlighting injustice and unlawful conduct. Her record of jailing parents for their children's truancy, drug arrests, that's just part of leadership. And things didn't go perfectly. But you know what? She's answering the question, which proves that she cares. 
if more people who care don't climb the ranks of law enforcement, what happens when people who don't care get back in charge? What happens when people who want to do harm get their shot? That is the law and order liberal I think had a far better shot than the Kamala we saw. She's a moderate and she projects leadership. Instead, we got a wishy-washy positionless politician who used valuable real estate to ask Twitter to ban Trump. On the September 13th edition of this very podcast, I broke down Kamala Harris's rise and fall over the summer, and here's what I said. Harris has raised enough money and has polled well enough that it's an almost certainty that she'll make it to Iowa. No, not that. The stuff that makes me sound smart. But increasingly, the signs are there that this might just be a joyride. Yeah, that's more like it. More of that. Sure, she can audition for whomever the nominee is to possibly be their vice president or possibly join the cabinet. Hell, she'd be an amazing endorsement right before Super Tuesday when California has their primary. And that will almost certainly be the case now. As we sign off on our Kamala Harris campaign obituary, I do want to play one last clip from that episode because I do think that it sums it up. There can only be one nominee. You can just see on the last day of her campaign, Kamala signed in everybody's yearbook, that girl was me. Something unpredictable In the end is right I hope you have the time of your life By the largesse of everybody who supports us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com It's my honor to report that PX3 begins now And welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for December 4th, 2019. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young. Oh, man, we got a bunch for you. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the brand new series that I released, Raise the Dead. It is out now. Please go ahead and download it if you haven't already. We've got a giveaway, considering we had not one but two candidates drop out. Which means when the campaign undertaker removes somebody from the field, you get all the swag that we have gathered from those campaigns. So stay tuned for that. And we got a hell of an interview for you. Man, this one is something special. I initially just wanted to talk to this man. A man by the name of Kevin Ryan. Because he wrote a fantastic article about going to see Kanye West performing at Joel Osteen's church. It is a non-political story that is undeniably political, and we discussed that. But oh my God, did I just fall in love talking with Kevin Ryan throughout this (laughs) this process. He is a unique person, uh, and, and you will see why. Let me just say, there's a little bit of gonzo Hunter S. Thompson in Mr. Ryan And he's got a description of covering a Trump rally unlike any I have ever heard. So please stay tuned for that. 
But first, I want to ask you a question. How long are we going to pretend to care about impeachment? And I mean that pointedly. If you care about impeachment, I'm asking you how long you will harbor these fraudulent feelings. Now, I'm sorry if I'm coming off aggressive. But yesterday, Adam Schiff, who has been the mascot for the Democratic impeachment push, again, something that is the mechanism by which you remove a duly elected sitting president. This is big stuff, right? He releases his report the same day that Kamala Harris drops out. Guess which one's bigger news? Kamala Harris. Why? Because people actually believe that her either staying in the race or dropping out of the race will affect something going forward. There is no power but future power and Kamala Harris's endorsement, even as a sixth place candidate, is going to affect the future of this country more realistically than anything that's going to come out of this impeachment. Jerry Nadler started the judiciary process of this impeachment in the House yesterday, and he began it with constitutional scholars, because that's going to move the needle. I have not seen the ratings on it, but I can't imagine that they've gone up from where we were during the Intelligence Committee that Schiff was presiding over. This is about momentum. This is about moving forward. This is about every day somebody is more in tuned and enraged by this process. And then yesterday, there is a report from a Pelosi staffer that they're considering not voting on impeachment before Christmas because it's not in the season and they'd rather get other legislative stuff done. Now that... Might have just been a trial balloon floated out there. That might have been a staffer going rogue. There's a lot of ways that that can get out there when it's not actually going to happen. And indeed, as I expect, they will vote and successfully impeach the president before Christmas. But oh my God, if they do not. Oh my God. It will only validate the fact that this is something that is just going to go until the end and then it will be over and it will have little to no bearing on what happens in November, let alone actually impeach the president. Because it's not going to go any further in the Senate once it makes it there, if it makes it there. Really, the only person who's been up on a Democratic debate stage that's excited to spend more time in Washington, D.C. instead of Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina is Kamala Harris, whose schedule just cleared up. So let's recap. The ratings have softened. The polls have not moved. Even the New York Times! Their front page today, the dominant image was Trump at the NATO summit on a day that the Congress of the United States said that he should be removed because he violated his oath of office. And the Democrats have yet to publicly pry one member of the opposition party across the line to vote for impeachment in the House. 
we are deadlocked. I'm not sure if there's any other evidence to make this go any further or louder. So how long are we going to care about this? Because in my opinion, they need to push this as fast as they can. If this is definitely going to happen, then go, go, go. Cut the constitutional law scholars, just lay out the evidence as was detailed in the shift report, and move forward. Otherwise, you are literally just by the hour withering the nation's attention on something that is now totally devoid of tension. Politics! All right, real quick before we get into our interview today, I want to remind everybody, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you can support this show. I recently adjusted one of our goals. We had always, for for a while, had one of our goals at 1,500 uh, uh, per episode. We are getting very dangerously close to that. But the goal that was there before was to do a call-in show, and when I did a survey earlier in the year, it didn't seem like anybody was particularly interested in me doing a call-in show. So, here's what you guys have been interested in, and that is me going on the road to cover this race. I am already committed, and I've bought stuff for Iowa, Nevada, Florida, and California. California's kind of a freebie, because I live here. But... I set another goal. It's the aptly numbered 1776. If we can get there, then I'll do the whole the full freight. I'll go to New Hampshire. I'll go to South Carolina. I'll, I'll, I will just be on the road every week, and you will basically have your own road correspondent covering this election. So if you've been on the fence, there's a reason to do it. If you are a new listener because of Raise the Dead, welcome into the fold. If you'd like to contribute, we would love to have you. Of course, anybody at the $3 level gets two bonus episodes each and every week, one on Monday and one on Thursday. But also, we had two candidates drop out. That means that we have some swag to give away. We have a Kamala for the People sign, and we have a Joe... Sestak. Joe Sestak dropped out. We have a Joe Sestak flyer that's going to go out to a lucky listener. So if you want one of these elements of campaign memorabilia for free, head on over to the Patreon at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Look for this episode, the one that comes out on December 4th, 2019. Go to the comments and just type gong. Two candidates dropped out. Two winners will be selected, and you will get this swag for free. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview. Politics! My guest today is Kevin Ryan. He is a staff writer for The Blaze, and he joins us now. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here on the Politics, Politics, Politics program, and I can think of no more uh, specific way to begin this interview than... What have you been hearing from the Christians? Yes, good to be here, man. Yeah, they're uh, those Christians are hostile, apparently, to poor old Kanye. Uh, all right, so as as I mentioned there in the in, in the introduction, you wrote uh, uh, I think an excellent article 
for The Blaze, where you are a staff writer, about the Kanye West performance at the Joel Osteen Church there in Houston. I believe the Lakewood Church, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so just before we get into why we're covering this on a politics podcast, uh, can you for just sure. set the scene for for me and, and the listeners, not only about your experience, but also your decision to cover this? For sure. Uh, because it's such a bizarre experience. Um, I mean, if like if you were to go back in a time machine and say that Kanye West is going to create a gospel album and travel around to mega churches in the future, we would we would all laugh. Um, it's it was such a strange experience, and and I've been sort of covering Kanye for a while, uh, both like uh, as an academic. I was going to write my thesis on him, and I, I did a lot of uh, research into, like, uh, not necessarily the political elements of Kanye. Um, but it was cool because those emerged while I was studying him from an academic uh, perspective. And then uh, when I began doing some more of the creative nonfiction, uh, I was able to incorporate that into this uh, study of him culturally, but also as a fan uh, you know, since Jesus walks when I was 13 and, um, it's, it's been fascinating. I think the first story I wrote here that took a, uh, that was kind of a vague reference to Kanye was this profile I did on Jordan Peterson that's structured around Kanye West's, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Mm. Um, so I, I followed Peterson around for a while when he was doing the, the, the thing with Ruben and uh, I don't know. Point being, I'm a huge Kanye <laughs> fan, and he's just endlessly fascinating to me. Well, you know, and and anybody who's listened to to my work knows that I agree wholeheartedly. I don't know if there's many more yeah. fascinating people in our modern media landscape, uh, and Definitely. let alone music. Uh, even even kind of the the rock stars of your. Uh, have all kind of graduated into either power positions or flamed out. And we're in such a fractured media landscape that I don't know if many people will kind of have the stature of somebody from that mid to late aughts blooming period ever again. Uh, and, and Kanye really? is just... You think so? Well, I mean, we don't have the platforms, right? I mean, even True. even somebody like Justin Bieber benefited from the dying days of MTV or the dying days yeah. of of radio, where uh, there were. I mean, obviously, radio still exists and it still is listened to by a lot of people, but it's not the mass media in the way that it was. And it's yet, a, it's a new mass media because I mean, YouTube made him yeah. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so so YouTube probably is. The other uh, the other element of that, but YouTube by its very nature is serving you exactly what you want as opposed to uh, what gotcha. everybody else is also enjoying. I like that perspective. Yeah, you can definitely narrow in in a sort of like a, a feedback loop if you're getting all your information from YouTube. I, I definitely see where you're getting that. Yeah, because because for, you know, uh, uh, people now that are on YouTube, you are. Your your Kanye might be somebody who doesn't even do music, right? The, the, the elements that used to kind of go into the rock star archetype of uh, 
you know, somebody who makes music that I enjoy, but also has a fascinating philosophy on life or, you know, does these crazy things that I would like to do uh, or find titillating. Like now that's all sort of different people. Uh, uh, and, and yet that makes to me Kanye uh, kind of being the cheese that stands alone because he's still out here doing things that people get upset about, happy about, uh, or Definitely. brings you down to the Lakewood church in Houston, Texas. For sure. And, and I think that's fascinating. And I kind of want to push back on one element of that. Go ahead. And I'm, I'm not sure if we're saying the same thing, uh, when I say this, but like, with regard to that spirit, I think it's something that you and I are both doing, like, uh, in in our own different ways. Like, uh, I love what you're doing because it's very, like, it seems so level-headed to me. Like, you're going to look at all the different perspectives there are, and you're going to do some real soul-searching, and you're going to look for the truth and deliver it. That's the impression I get when I listen to your commentary. Or, oh, um, thank you any of your interviews. So I'm trying to do something very similar to that. Um, and I think that there's an entire movement of this happening in, in um, a new media landscape that's almost like new, new media. Cause like, uh, that I think was ushered in by Rogan and um, that whole kind of, that whole kind of wild group of people that was, they just popped up at the same time. I think there's like another generation coming in now of people who are, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to find that the, the element that unifies all of us. And I really <laughs> think it's like a source, like a, a yearning for empathy or for like an, an understanding. And I don't find it like deeply in like, it's almost like it's an escape from politics, yeah. but in a political way. Well, and, and that kind of brings us to the, the 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 thing that fascinates me about this Kanye story, and Kanye specifically, is that Kanye's been undeniably political for for years now. I mean, probably over a decade. If you if you track this back to, you know, Obama calling him a jackass, he's mm -hmm. been a story that has either orbited or directly intersected with politics for, you know, well over ten years. So that to me is why when I read this story and I would, again, I encourage everybody to read the ascent of Kanye West. Uh, I think it is very, very well told. And it's just in, in my mind, I was trying to think of like, all right, is what is this like? What is a historical <laughs> comp? And the only thing that I could really come up with is in its weird way. It's like Elvis visiting Nixon in the white house because that's cool. You know, when when yeah. that happened, the idea that a kind of quote unquote frivolous celebrity would come to the White House was a bit of a shock. Right. That it wasn't some state honored kind of thing, you know, invited for some other reason. And this, I feel like, had some of that same shock where it's like Joel Osteen and Kanye are standing next together. And it's like, OK, I guess this kind of makes sense. But I would certainly not have thought of that a year ago. Oh, absolutely. And I, I really love that historical comparison. That That's not something that I even thought about at the time, I guess. And I wasn't consciously thinking about it in the story. Uh, so much of the story was like, I want to penetrate the politics of Kanye. Yeah. And I think it boils down to this idea that he struggled with um, the I, an identity 
that wavers between the status of a god and um, a self-destructive fallen angel. And he's been like the polarity on that has been so extreme in his life that it just creates this um, this wave in society that we all feel, even if we don't realize it. And with this latest album, what he was able to do is, ironically, by um, examining God in the most literal sense after years of doing it through the lens of these abstractions or these, like, antagonisms, um, he's able to deliver something that's even more powerful and and, and that reveals more about himself than anything else did. Um, And it it was interesting seeing him, because, you know, I've seen him live... um, over the years, it was interesting seeing him in person because he was smiling so much. Yeah. And uh, this is something that, like, we've come to – it's a meme that he's just frowning all the time. Yeah, unless he's looking at a picture of himself uh, in, in the in the language exactly. of memes, right? <laughs> For sure. Uh, For sure. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess – this is, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with Kanye and also have the patience to listen to Does a, that a, exist? Interview. Is there anyone who's who's not aware of Kanye anymore? <laughs> well, I mean, all right. So uh, I, I will probably have already pre-apologized for this interview before we brought you on. But uh, uh, there is this very, uh, uh, he is a, a polarizing person, mm-hmm. which I think is necessary if you're going to be a star of a certain level and and historically has been the case with people that now I think history will smile on Kanye more than our modern era does because (laughs) he was just around so often and he did so many things that made so many people feel so many emotions uh but I I will I will just for for everybody who has as you know no general idea this is the last few years of Kanye West. He does an album that has a gigantic, probably the biggest launch that he's ever done in, in the life of Pablo rents out mm-hmm. Madison square garden. So literally people could just listen to the album and uh, his fashion line can walk around, uh, has a mental breakdown gets, uh, I mean, we called it in Florida Baker Act, and I forget what it is here in California, uh, gets, you know, put involuntarily in, to uh, treatment, then yeah. becomes this gigantic political figure where he interacts with Donald Trump, not only uh, uh, in, in a minor level, but then, you know, uh, the, the dragon energy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, issue in the White House goes and visits him in one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life jumps up and uh, runs around the, the Resolute desk and Just hugs. Just gives him a hug. Yeah, I mean, it's like... <laughs> Amazing. With no fear of getting shot. Like, that would have been the wild... I mean, like, because that was live. For sure. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, then it's- then recedes. Uh, in the meantime, and this is for uh, folks who, who, again, have no idea what Kanye is, the last album that I, I just referred to, The Life of Pablo, has a, a orange cover with Choose One on it and on one side a, a black family in front of a church and the, on the other side just a big old butt uh and instagram in, yeah an instagram butt an instagram butt and in that intervening time since that album's come out he has both directed the porn hub awards and <laughs> did your uh did this show in the lakewood church 
for for Joel Osteen after he now resolves himself to become a Christian artist. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody can can just turn on a dime like that. I mean, within he directed the Pornhub Awards like a year and a half ago, and and here he is uh, doing use this gospel for uh, you know a, one of the biggest churches in the country. It's fucking insane. <laughs> That's crazy, and that's such a great, uh, that's such a great little snapshot of this this roller coaster ride that that we've been on with him, um, and it's endlessly fascinating, and, and that's kind of why I was writing it. Okay, this is undoubtedly a situation that is steeped in religion and politics and spirituality, so I'm gonna kind of undergird it with secularism as a way to sort of balance it out for the reader so that we have these two dueling forces that I agree with you. I think they are the motivation for much of uh, Kanye's bizarre behavior and contradictory behavior because he is political, but he's also not political. And his, his politics are sort of apolitical. And it, it's, it's emblematic of this bizarre time we're living in. And it's... Uh, it's sort of like a, a late postmodern feeling of, and I mean that in the positive sense of chaos. Yeah. We live in a time of great chaos, but also great order. And w- with Kanye, it's there's an element of like, can you believe he he did all this shit in this order and this closely together? But there's also this element of like, yeah, that totally fucking makes sense. Like that almost makes sense more than my daily life. Or like a, an offhanded visit to any sort of social media platform. Well, yeah. So, so let me ask you this then, because as you as you talk about in your article, this is an event that's covered by Fox News. Uh, in yeah. fact, you make a point to talk about what a holes they are. They, they uh, were dicks. <laughs> uh, they always every time I meet them, they are. You know, because I run into them at. Um, you know, I ran into him at one of the debates, uh-huh. and uh, and when I was uh, kind of moving around Iowa, they were uh, they would always be dicks to me, and I'd be like, well, I don't understand. Yeah. I guess I don't get the hierarchy here, but I didn't think you were allowed to be dicks to people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I don't know, but maybe you're just, you know, who else are they going to be mean to if other people are mean to them, right? Exactly. You know, it is kind of a poop rolls downhill situation. Which is fine with me, but th- this poop is making me stronger, bro. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, all right, so so Fox News is there to cover it. It is attended by uh, Dan Crenshaw, a rising star in the Republican Party. Uh, now, yep. granted, he does represent a, a district in Texas, but still, this is a place where politicians and political coverage wants to cover, and yet, theoretically, this is just Kanye doing a... Kanye thing. I mean, the, 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 yes, there is obviously religious significance there since it's happening in a church, but to me, it, it's it's a little bit more on par with him renting out Madison Square Garden. It's just an interesting place that he's going to exhibit his art. Why do you think this is undeniably political? So th- this gets to something that uh, there is a philosophical question here, and I think it relates to like what is the what encapsulates all things within our human understanding of life? Okay. And 
you know, for uh, basically why uh, Shelley said that poets are the unacknowledged rulers, legislators of the world. That's a pretty high opinion coming from a poet. Yeah. Uh, and it's also not accurate, you know, um, <laughs> no. like and so I, I think like they're, from the more like platonic sense their politics can encapsulate all of these things can encapsulate uh, culture and art and um, any sort of like and, and on on an out of a long strata of depth like you can. And so when anytime you gather all of those elements in one place, it becomes political. Like if, if you're at a sporting event and there's like the the music's there and, uh, you know, Donald Trump's president and we're arguing about whether or not the Chick-fil-A should go into the same building. It's I see that as similar to what what Kanye was doing. And, and with this series, I'm basically trying to understand what the hell is going on in America right now. Yeah. And it's be because it's undeniably political at every single point. And uh, I think part of what's driven that is that even in art, even in the, the like forms with under the forms under uh, politics, politics has like taken the front. So it's like for me, what I'm trying to do is like move comedy and art and um I don't know, so, sort of like so po poetry even in front of the politics. Because like you used to be able to go to the New Yorker or the Atlantic or Harper's, and all of which I, I love and still read. But you could go and you could be um, captured by the stories there. Yeah. Now it's all so political. So, and, so, so, we, so part of this then is not that there is any significant mixture of, you know, Kanye, gospel, Joel Osteen, but rather there is, they are just the most acute examples of a culture-wide politi politization. Yes, they're, they're one of them. They're, and I, what I'm trying to do with this whole series is capture those different elements, like sports, you know, I'm going to like uh, trying to go to all the major races, um, all the big NASCAR like, NASCAR races. Yes, uh, I've been I've been to one of them so far, and but even like the horse races, I'm trying oh. to like get a snapshot of every level of of our society, and where that links politically and with the election, but also what it says about us as a country, and. What why it explains what we're going through, which we constantly are confused by. I mean, every single day we're just baffled by the world that's unfolding around us and also the way it's unfolding. So I'm basically trying to get an as an accurate a snapshot of what's happening in this country right now from every single possible view. It's like if, if I'm going to write a, a concert review. I, I like to try and see the show from every level of the venue yeah, um, or every different angle by the soundboard or at, at a higher level. And um, Kanye is fascinating because he checks off so many of those boxes. Like now with political, 
he's all, I mean, he's always been a cultural force. Yeah. And obviously a musical force and an artistic force. Now he has like, um, a fashion empire. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then you can connect him to the Kardashians who have this like really bizarre American lettuce legacy within American royalty. Um, and I, I really think not only is Kanye the Elvis of our time, um, which is why that I love that comparison between <laughs> Nixon and Elvis. That's so spot on. That's, Thank you. Absolutely. It really was one of those moments where they, <laughs> when they were in the office just hugging it out. Yeah, it just seems like, oh, I guess this makes sense. I guess maybe that's what I was trying to key on is that that, that yeah. when you look at that photo, even years after, I mean, I, I wasn't born when it was taken, but you look at that photo and you just it, it takes you on a little journey of like, wait, why? How? Oh, I guess it does make sense. And that was kind of the feeling with the with the Osteen thing it was just like, what? OK, well, yeah, I guess when you think about it like that, it does make sense. So uh, before the the two weeks before I went to the Kanye, um, the Kanye gig. I w was following Trump in Louisiana. Uh-huh. Um, and so, which was great because it just, those two things just slammed into each other perfectly. Um, but I find that energy that you just explained at Trump rallies too. Yeah. And, and I've, anytime I go into a Trump rally, I try to go in as neutrally as possible. Usually I'll like eat a weed gummy before and just sort of like <laughs> take in the scene like because I feel like my job and, and this is like a something that we've uh, strayed away from in journalism. Yeah, I feel like my job is to sort of like gut myself politically yes. so that like the accurate politics around me can can move through me. Kind of like a prism, and we can figure out what it is. From so there. you you want you want to be there to capture the nervousness, the excitement, the jubilation, the 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 anger, like that. The that's you. weirdness. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> or that that weird thing. Just to clarify, did you say a wheat gummy or a weed gummy? Weed. Okay, weed. good. All right, because I had never heard of a wheat gummy, so I, I was, oh I was no, curious. that sounds terrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but but <laughs> it's like, but I don't know. I mean, straw. I, yeah, exactly. I don't know, just chew it on it like like a like a pickwood hay. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so all right, uh, and that's and that's something that that for you going to these Trump rallies, uh, or, or being at the Trump rally, you experience the same kind of like is the energy just you know unique is it on edge is it nervous like where where is that energy it's it's all of those things and the there's like a storytelling there that that's sort of it's very much a dumb show in not in an in the shakespearean way yeah like everything's being acted out in such like every time i'm there i'm like this is fucking wwe yeah and like i grew up i love WDF. I love that, like the dramatics to it. Yes. And Trump is, um, he's very clever with group psychology, and it's like it's almost it's so hard to say that now as as a person in the media. Yeah. Because people automatically assume, oh, this guy likes Trump. No, I'm I am like trying to enter every single one of these situations without any bias. And uh, what I find at Trump rallies is it's fascinating. And it's very much like you mentioned with with Kanye's story, because like, um, you know, Trump was in Dallas 
and it, he was just listing all the enemies that we have and setting up this journey. And he was bringing the audience along with him. And it was like, the media is the enemy, and they all boo, they boo and point. Yeah. They don't, they, I've never been flipped off yet, which is interesting. They kind of like. Wait, so, so, you're, so you're in the pen, the famous press pen for, for the y- Trump rally? Yes, um, which is like, which I love. I love like, <laughs> for them, I'm like, I'm the fucking villain, man. I'm like, I'm the, the undertaker, you know? <laughs> and, but Trump, uh, he was listing through all of our enemies. Yeah. And, and he, you know, and then he got to ISIS and I, I said it out loud. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about ISIS. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's where we're that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And Kanye has that same spirit is what I'm getting at. Um, and it's I personally find it endlessly fascinating. And um, I don't know. It, it, it was funny this weekend. My sister-in-law was asking me, she's like, I've been reading your stories and I just like the thing that's that's interesting is I can never tell what your politics are. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that that's if we if we if we want to get into a, a critique of the, the the base level politics that has been kind of brought into all culture is that uh, I think we've all I think personal mileage may vary on exactly how much we all appreciate it. But I think at this point, we have all recognized the pattern of the kind of stapled on politics, right? And I think that's when, because I, I get some of the same stuff too uh, from from listeners that are like, oh, I can't, you know, I, I don't really know where you land politically. And it's like, well, I think it's just because I I don't tack on anything cheap, right? And, I, yeah. and, and that's, I think what you're going for too is like, hey, look, I would much rather talk about for half this, you know, just, how everybody's pupils dilated as soon as Kanye, you know, uh, first got on stage, then talk about whether or not, you know, Joel Osteen is a, 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 a great guy or Christianity is working out for America or anything else that is kind of like <laughs> this sort of base level idea of political identification. And maybe that's what Kanye brings is that it is a complex thing. You can't really understand exactly where he's at. He he would he would seemingly be the last person that would be talking about how wearing a MAGA hat makes him feel like a superhero. And yet there he was. He would be the last person. So that, do you think he's aware of that, like or in control of that, um, the of the way he handles that? Do you think he's in control? I think as a semi-professional Kanye observer yeah, that the Kanye we see now, like if you watch him in that, um, do you see the, 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 the James Corden, the, the carpool karaoke they did in the plane with the whole gospel choir? No. Oh yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that was wild. I, I mean, just, I mean, uh, uh, it, a million different thoughts there. I mean, it's, it's just Corden hit or miss for me, but uh, for sure with him, when they're doing the interview parts, that I think is closer to the real Kanye than the, the Kanye that we've kind of seen dialed up. I think professional wrestling is a great idea of, of who Kanye is. Cause I think he <laughs> is when he is, is performing when he is out there, 
when he's tweeting, he is a hundred X his regular personality. And I think mm -hmm. right now we are seeing in his interviews, uh, the few of them that he's done a, a more subdued person that I think, I think that's the guy who's thinking about, you know, Yeezy production. Like mm -hmm. you, you need to have some idea of how these systems work. And I think that's, that's that guy. So I, yes, I do believe that he is doing things because he knows he gets a reaction. And that's probably his greatest worth as an artist is the fact that he is a, a provocateur that I don't know if we've seen, I mean, probably Marilyn Manson and before that Bowie or something like that. Yeah. So, so do you think that part of that is um, like, which is the real Larry David? You know, Larry David says like, yeah, in, in real life I'm polite, but on my show, you know, I'm Larry David. Uh, is that an element of what you're describing? Like, it's a, it's definitely a character that Kanye is playing. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a character per se. I do think that he has a stage and a public persona. Uh, For sure. And there is an undeniable connection to a humanity there, which I think has always made his music so special. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Jesus Walks when you were 13. College Dropout came out while I was in college. And it was it was oh, a, cool. a, a a transformative experience. Uh, and that's partly why I think I've, I've been a fan of him uh, ever since. What did you think of Jesus is King as as a Kanye fan? Let, let Divorce the, the politics. Where Where is that on the the Kanye hierarchy? So that, that's a great question, man. That um, I kind of maybe it's because I had a preformed opinion. Like I, I wrote a piece. Uh, it's like the, my first mention in this series of Kanye was this piece about how um, Ye versus the people, his track that it was kind of his coming out as a, a Trump supporter or someone who will wear a MAGA hat at, yeah. at, at least. The, the, this was uh, this was the Ti. Uh, song, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what the article was about. And in that, this was like three three weeks before Jesus is Jesus is King came out. Um, I made the argument that like this Kanye album will usher in the end of hip hop as we know it, and it's going to like maybe lead as a bridge to whatever form of music is going to replace it. Okay. So I think that that form of music is going to be electronic in a way that we haven't understood with like elements of the most basic acoustic instruments, which is what uh, Jesus is King accomplishes. Um, so that was my prediction. And um, I stand by it. Uh, I think the album is incredible. Like just, I mean, there are parts of it that annoy me. <laughs> but the, it's like it's like great. The, the, like everybody loves the Chick Fil A song now. Yeah, like that's. I mean, that's great. that's one of those things. There was, uh, yeah, there's an old Kanye interview where he talks about how <laughs> those are the best. Yeah, the um, uh, uh, the the line in Gold Digger where uh, I forget which one app ah, it. it might have been no, no, no. I think it was slow jams. Anyway, the, the, the light skinned girl uh, looks like Michael Jackson. Got a dark skinned girl looks like Michael Jackson. <laughs> that line, right? Oh, that he yeah. was like, 
I know he's like, I thought of that and I knew I was going to be a megastar. <laughs> and there's an element of his brain where that that is kind of a perfect Kanye quote because it's obviously that of an egotist, right? It's yeah. obviously that of somebody who has, uh, uh, at least at, in that quote, like a verifiable sort of, you know, wherever you want to peg it as between the secret and Messiah complex. Uh, mm-hmm. But ultimately he was right. Like that was, a, that was a sticky line that there are just some people that have this kind of like Paul McCartney esque idea of like, Oh, I know if I say a thing, everyone else is going to repeat it. They'll never forget it. And for as, clowned on as the closed on Sunday you're my Chick-fil-A line was when it came out it's ultimately you were there at the church you described it that that got the biggest reaction correct yeah which was surreal because what happened at that point was like what you had was a symbolic dialogue between the public and public opinion and uh, Kanye's choir which was sort of a representation of Kanye at this moment. So it was this neat encapsulation of what's happening right now um, and how <clears throat> how confusing it is. Yeah. All right. Well, here, uh, we're already uh, getting, going a little long, but I do want to touch okay. on one thing. Uh, cool, cool. Because this has been a long-running long running, uh, a long running uh, thing for me uh, that I've, I've predicted forever ago. But I believe it becomes more true every day, and you would be a very unique person to to weigh in on it. Okay. I believe that Kanye, as he has said many times, is indeed headed to the White House. However, mm-hmm. I believe it will be as the first husband, and Kim Kardashian will run for president. Oh, that's good. I hadn't thought of that one. Now, here, here's here's my 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 short form pitch for this. Uh, number one, she obviously is has moved more in terms of uh, the actual mechanisms of uh, presidential politics than Kanye has. I mean, Kanye certainly made a bigger splash by going to the Oval Office and talking about how the president needs a cooler plane. But uh, Kim Kardashian has worked behind the scenes on this criminal justice reform. There is nobody that knows how to manipulate new media in the way that Kim Kardashian does, and certainly not with Kanye uh, by her side. And I think we are a book away of her writing about her experiences as a mother and a a God-fearing Christian woman away from her having a gigantic profile in conservative politics. So here's what I like about that, it, because it tells us as Americans, or it tells the world really, that you can accomplish some wacky shit in America. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like you can you can kind of hit all the categories. Um, I mean, Kim Kardashian, just like Trump, this is what fascinates me about Trump, is like uh, there are all these like little. It's like a cultural breadcrumb trail that doesn't make any sense. Like the different locations, you're like, how did we get here? Like we started at the OJ trial yeah. and then there was a sex tape and then there was like a, a TV show that was, you know, on every TV, even if people didn't admit it. And then um, there was Caitlyn Jenner as like this force that changed uh, the dialogue about Transgender, um, yeah. 
in a huge way in in a like with it with a splash internationally um and now it's and then throwing Kanye I think that's a great prediction man I I really uh nice god that would make things fascinating <laughs> and well, you I'm, think I'm she would saying, be wait. a republican for oh, sure yeah. oh yeah 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 of course yeah well because uh, I think it's going to be faith and family that that that's her that's that's the final turn the final turn for her is uh, uh, I'm here. Here I am, a mother of four in Southern California, and and this is how like the book's gonna be key. I'm telling you, watch for the book. Yeah, because here's the other thing: people are like, oh, well, you know, she did if this. Kim stuff Kardashian's and- listening. I would love to write that book for you. <laughs> it's like it's like okay, well, you know, she did she did some crazy stuff, and she had the sex tape, and it's like, well, number one, that means that she knows everything that anyone's ever gonna say about her, right? She's heard it all a million <laughs> times, so that's. Like Trump, she has that as an advantage. And number two, let's act like everybody didn't go through life where the per- the, the, the the chicks that party the hardest through your teens and early twenties weren't the first ones po- posting Bible quotes on Facebook, right? Like this is this is a known, understandable phenomenon. It's very American too. It is. Like I, I've uh, I think I mentioned it in the piece. I certainly mentioned it in the series. My dad uh, immigrated to America when he was 33, moved to L.A. So I've kind of bounced, you know, back and forth between uh, here and Ireland, and I live in Spain for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, it, it's everything you described is so fucking American, <laughs> and I love that. Like, there, I find I get energy out of that. Like uh, uh, specifically, just that anybody can do anything, or anybody can remold themselves, or that that these kind of trials become your armor. Pretty much, and and also this element of like, like you never this is, exists in a way that that's like very strange. Um, all of it is very strange. Just how tangled you can get up, how tangled up you can get in every aspect of our American culture, like politically and artistically and, and all of it, and the way it, it comes together. Um, <laughs> Kim Kardashian is fascinating because she's almost like Homer Simpson. <laughs> Please go on real quick. <laughs> like, like Homer's, uh, there's an episode where, um, somebody who's like worked their ass off their whole life meets Homer and he has everything. And they're is like Grimes, right? How is that did the you Grimes do this? episode? What's that? Is that the Grimes? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of the the exact episode. Grimes, like the musician? No, no. I think that that's okay. yeah. No, no. That's that's the name. Frank Grimes is the name oh, gotcha. of, of the of the put upon perfect uh, employee. Okay. Yeah. That's that sounds right. Um, yeah. So that's how Kim Kardashian's Homer Simpson. I don't know. <laughs> oh, so I everybody else, everybody else, right we are now. we are all Grimes. Uh, we are all uh, uh, Frank Grimes, and uh, we are all. She's Homer. Yeah, and and meanwhile, she's just there, you know, acting like she doesn't know how to use a cell phone, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, being an idiot on television for money, and next thing you know, uh, you know, she's uh, a gigantic asset for the Disney Corporation, like Homer. Uh, That's amazing. All right, uh, uh, I want to thank. Uh, our our guest today, Kevin Ryan, uh, you Dude, continue to cover uh, is, I guess, politics, art, Kanye for the Blaze. 
Yep, all of it, whatever comes up uh, over the course of the next year. And, you know, the point is to find stories that nobody else is telling. As I go along the same path as everywhere, uh, all the other political writers, which I don't really consider myself a political writer, but, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year. I'm looking forward to uh, crossing paths with you, man. Uh, yeah, I dude. Well, any, We'll wind up in a lot of same places, so I'm excited about that. Don't worry. I'll bring the wheat gummies. Uh, Kevin, yes, bring uh, them uh, all. Can you, uh, 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 real quick, where can people find you online beyond your uh, writing at The Blaze? So uh, probably the best place is kevinryan.us is where my uh, website or on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm on there. Just type in Kevin Ryan, The Blaze on Google and my, my Twitter will pop up. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Thank you, Justin. It was a uh, it was a privilege. It was fun. Politics. Another thank you to Kevin Ryan. What a delight he was, huh? Oh, he was. He had such a good vibe. I didn't even want to tell him to stop cursing. I had to go back and edit through all of it. Uh, all right. I want to do a real quick thank you to everybody who helped launch Raise the Dead, my brand new history series, uh, which chronicles the 1960 campaign of John F. Kennedy versus Richard Nixon, and specifically some of the parallels that it had to the 2016 campaign of Trump versus Clinton. We debuted in the top 100 for news, which is something that I did not think was possible. I, I will be totally honest and transparent. The iTunes charts are not as malleable as they once were. <laughs> I think now that they've gotten a lot more rich data, from some of the podcasts that they have involved, uh, there there's a lot more that goes into that algorithm. It isn't all just new subscriptions. Very obviously, that is something that they they do factor in, and that's why we went as far as we did. But but holy crap, guys! Uh, uh, it just is overwhelming. Uh, specifically, some of the feedback that I've gotten, I had multiple people say that. You know, after listening to Raise the Dead, it, it's amazing hearing something and realizing, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted from this person. And as somebody who has just tried to make content for free for people for over a decade. God, you guys don't know how gratifying that is. If you haven't given it a shot, please go ahead and do it. If you listen to our preview on this feed a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, go ahead and get on, uh, subscribe to the to the new Raise the Dead feed. You can find it everywhere. Get the link to your favorite podcatcher at raisethedeadpodcast.com. And if you already heard the first episode, then either listen to it again or go ahead and skip to the end because there is stuff on there that we did not put in the preview. There's like some bonus stuff including uh, one thing that I added very late in the process, literally hours before I released it. I, I, I remembered one little tidbit about uh, uh, Joseph Kennedy's firstborn son for whom he is grooming to be the president of the United States of America. And so to teach him leadership, he sends him to Hitler's Germany. And the letter that Joe's son writes back is, wow, pick your jaw off the floor, wow. So go ahead and check it out. Thank you, 
thank you. I wanted to carve out a little time on this show just to personally thank everybody who listens to PX3 because the launch has been amazing and I'm very, very, very excited to see where it goes. All right, I would like to thank our Titanic $10 tier, A, Squids, Jaime, Ryan, Adam, Jonathan, D-Laser, Andy, Paul, Mike, and Brad. If you want to be a part of their ranks, head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Of course, you can always email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Music has been provided by Valesco and Trop Killers. You can follow me everywhere at Justin R. Young on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics. Others, they talk about politics. And there was another one where they talked about politics. But friends, this is the only show where we talk about it all. you have enjoyed this program <laughs> what are you been hearing from the christians